This is a new podcast, which I'm calling In The Making. It's not an original title, but it's to the point. So how do you start a podcast then? Mm, Well, I don't know. I've never made one. So I guess I'll start with who I am. I'm Jim Biddulph. I'm a design writer, designer, artist, occasional presenter, sporadic tutor and first ever loser of the UK Design Challenge Show Interior Design Masters, which makes me the best of all the losers, and general maker. And it's making and makers that have made me want to make this podcast. But then, what is a maker? Well, it's defined as a person that makes or produces something, putting things together to create something else. That often, or though not exclusively, involves a hands-on approach with materials of one kind or another, which is particularly true of the world of art and design in which I have immersed myself for the past mm, 20 years or so. Now, I, for one, really appreciate the creative dialogue that goes on between the mind and the body when the act of making is in process. And it's something that I think about quite a lot, sometimes to a point of crippling inactivity, but, but more on that later. Making, generally, opens the possibilities for creativity, for inventiveness, practical problem-solving, and can serve industries as broad and integral as medicine, technology, engineering, fashion, and the aforementioned art and design. I've always been interested in how things are made, and I'll be talking to makers of varying kinds to go a little deeper into their processes, and maybe to demystify the often perceived alchemy required for making. Because whilst creativity and talent is key, making can also be a form of work. And for those who have the passion to make making their job, there is also often a need to make money from it, you know, in order to live. And that idea of making it in your creative field, or at least making a viable career path for yourself, is also something that really interests me. Not least because I still often feel like I'm in the process of forging one for myself. So, where to begin? Well, for the first one, I thought I would test the water and talk to the person who was very kindly offered to help me make this whole thing and, in fact, kind of kicked me up the arse to do so. As you'll hear from our conversation, Rachel Boot is reluctant to call herself a voice artist, but that's because she's humble and suffers from bouts of very similar self-doubt that I too find myself battling from time to time. But, whether she likes it or not, she is one. And she's also an incredibly talented sound editor, which this episode is testament to, because when we recorded it last week, she had a terrible cough. And, as you'll hear, only a couple of ticklers made their way through. And while she's not an obviously hands-on maker, she, like me at least some of the time, is a creator and editor of content. And I think that counts within this wider discussion of making. And it's my podcast, so uh, I decide. But more than that, she's fun to talk to, and as you'd hope, given her profession, nice to listen to. But she's also very generous in being open and candid about her career and how she feels about it all thus far. We talk about the various stages she's gone through within it, including lunch with Tim Burton, being fast and cheap, status anxiety, and a bit more natter uh, from me, really, about what I do and have done. As well as a brief moment of millennials sharing their fear of AI thrown in for good measure. So here's myself and Rachel Boot sitting down for a professional chat in our shared studio space in sunny Margate on the southeast coast of England with a beer. 
Yeah, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Such pros. Such pros. Mm. <clears throat> so, Rachel Boot, um, I've decided that given that at last count there are seven trillion podcasts in the world. Oh, God. Yep, that's the official count. That's really, that's like more than one per person in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there is an official count, but I'm guessing it's around Have seven you trillion. Counted them personally? Yeah, seven, seven trillion podcasts in the world. So I thought it's time that I caught that wave yeah. and made a podcast, uh, which you were very kindly agreed to, to help me muddle through. Yeah, because I'm the one with the microphones. Yeah, you've put these big <laughs> microphones in front of us. Uh, we've, got, we've got a monitor that I can see the sound waves passing through like magic. Yeah. Um, and this first one, um, given that I want it to be all about making and makers. Why do you want it? Why? What, why? What's it to you? Well, as a as a sort of maker myself, or somebody that's been in and around the industry of making, or certainly design for over a decade, and realizing that I've got to know a lot of very interesting makers of mm. one kind or another, um, I thought it might be quite nice to go and talk to makers really and find out about how they make why they make yeah what, what they do and also with it i think maybe this is uh something that i'm finding i almost feel like i need or i'm sort of seeking out it's like how have they made their career path uh-huh. and what is a career path because if i'm honest i don't think i've got one no <laughs> um i don't think many people do though do they i think Especially in ma- like, if you're talking to makers, I'd be interested to know how many of them have landed there, almost by accident. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or or set about doing some form of making and, and became, you know, went went and got educated to make something in some way and ended up still being a maker, maybe, but in a very different way. Yeah. Um, which maybe is a nice place to start in. Um, seeing how, how useful I might be in uh, in interviewing people is to find out how you have become a maker of sorts. Well, if ever there was a story of um, ending up somewhere by accident, it's how I've ended up doing my job. Yeah. Because I now do voiceovers for a living, which I've done for ten and a half years now, but I didn't ever set out to do it. And it's not like I was like a child going, when I grow up, I want to do adverts that appear on YouTube videos. Yeah. Like, I mean, that it's... would have been amazing to have done that. <laughs> I know, the foresight. When we were growing I'd up. be a millionaire by now if I'd had that vision when I was five, just to think up YouTube as a five-year-old. Yes, for sure. <laughs> well, I guess in, in, as you've gone back that far, why don't we kind of go back? Because I, I know you as a, as, as a voice artist is that the right yeah i mean if term? you want to be a wanker you yeah. call it that <laughs> well, i suppose wouldn't you? i've not, gone there i've gone there not calling you a wanker <laughs> but if one was to call oneself like i can never call myself a voiceover artist because I, I, as in terms of what i do there's not much artistry to it I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are some very skilled voice actors out there but my job is not doesn't require yeah the self-deprecation creeps in immediately oh, yeah. which is exactly why I thought it would be useful to talk to you first, because I think that I think we both suffer. Let's let's say suffer yeah. from a similar vibe. Yeah, there. imposter syndrome, probably yes. largely rife. It's absolutely yeah. rife. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I did a music degree at Sussex University, which I would say I coasted in. Mm-hmm. I managed to get two one, but 
honestly, fuck knows how, because I really was quite mentally absent for most of my degree. Mm-hmm. Came out of it and then decided I wanted to go and work in the film industry. And at that point, I had quite a vision that I wanted to be a music editor in the film industry, which right. is a person who works with the composer and director to get the school sorted. Mm-hmm. So you're not actually writing music, but you're, you put together a temporary score out of other scores mm-hmm. as a starting point. They use that in the edit. Um, and then you hand that temp score over to the composer who takes the notes from the director and considers what the director's liked about the temp score and they then compose Mm. the score. And then you accompany the composer to um, record the score um, and then you edit the score, fit it to all the various cuts that happen and voila, at the end you've got a finished score. So it's working quite closely with the composer and director. So I decided I wanted to do that and I worked my way way up from being a runner for, for a while. Then I was a backroom assistant at a post-production house for a while which I never really understood what the fuck I was doing so it's like a machine room full of all this stuff and I basically coasted that as well but I did eventually become an assistant music editor which I loved doing and I started out I got my first job on the BBC series of Robin Hood don't know oh, if you remember remember it well yeah I, mean, I don't remember that well I couldn't yeah. tell you anybody who was in it but no, I it um, being out. It, it's got that guy in it who's actually quite famous now went on to do something I always thought he was quite a mm-hmm. mediocre oh. actor. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it was quite a... But anyway, he went on to do some quite big things, I think. But my, the editor that I worked for was the most amazing guy and the loveliest guy and the most patient guy, and he's now gone on to win an Oscar mm. for um, the score that he wrote for Gravity, the film with George oh, Clooney. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. he was my first boss, and he was amazing. He's called Steve Price. Lovely, lovely man. Um, but I did that for a few years and then decided I just couldn't hack it anymore because I'm terrible at hustling, terrible mm-hmm. at networking, mm-hmm. and I got the first few jobs, one after the other, and then after that it became quite apparent that I'd have to, like, bust a gut to get more work yeah. because it's Sell all about yourself. just constantly yeah. emailing people like, have you got a job, have you got a job? Mm-hmm. And I just, it's so not in my character at all mm-hmm. that I, like, crumbled at the first hurdle. I don't know if that's a saying, but I, like, <laughs> I, I just yeah, could be. not handle that. Like, my mental health was just not good mm-hmm. enough to do that. And Is, did you find at that time then that there were other people, your peers, I suppose, around you that were, you could see were like, yeah, they've got the hustle? Um... Yeah, there were a few people. I mean, and those were the people that went on and Mm. did it. But it was also a bit of a mates club. Like, once you got in with a team, if they liked you, they'd generally keep you on. But that was the sound department. But the music people were always a bit more separate from the sound guys. So I had an editor that I worked with on a couple of films. And then he just didn't need an assistant for the next one. So I didn't get hired for that one. And then, like, there would have been a gap. And there were a couple of other people that approached me for stuff. And it never happened, like there was a music editor that for years sort of dangled uh, Bohemian Rhapsody in front of me and was like, I'm going to need some help, I'm going to need some help Mm. on this. And it just never happened. And I don't know, I don't even know if he had an assistant in the end. It was quite a sort of strange position where it wasn't one of the positions that was guaranteed in the film industry. Yeah. And it's just just from my own experiences, I suppose, because part of all of this for me is is realising that freelance life specifically is... Uh, it can be quite difficult, quite yeah. sort of tumultuous and quite, yeah. you know, you're never quite on stable ground, I yeah. suppose. Was, I is think that a factor within all of that? Yeah, it definitely was. And also the age that I was doing it all, because I was been like 27, 28 at that time, mm. and I just was not... I just, I, thought, I think if I was doing it now, it would be a different story because yeah. I'm much more ballsy about just being like, right, come on, let's do this. And back then I was just an absolute wimp, like so wimpy. And because and, you're surrounded by all these people who are... Like, the last film I did was for Tim Burton, and I was working wow. in his house, 
And wow. my editor was like really good friends with him. So we'd go out for lunch. I'd be going out for lunch with Tim Burton. And it was <laughs> wow. like, I, I was like this 27 year old coward suddenly found myself like being like, yeah, I'm just going to go for a drink with Tim Burton. And I, I, can, I mean, fine. not on the Tim Burton level, but I can relate to that. That oh my god! Inner, um, the inner workings there, the inner, the inner thinking, yeah, I just, the inner doubt. As oh my well. god! I just was felt so. I felt like such an imposter, mm. and 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 I really, um, uh, I, I self imploded. Like I knew I was not going to be able to do it, and I was just like, now fuck it, I can't do it. And I sort of just was like, boof, I'm not doing films anymore. And it was kind of convenient because at that time I'd got together with my now husband. And he was living in Berlin and that film finished. That was the last film I did was that Tim Burton film. And after that, I was like, fuck it, I'm leaving the country. I'm going to wow. go live in Berlin because yeah. I just can't handle this anymore. And there'd been a bit of weird sort of nastiness in the last in that last film with some other sound people who, I mean, a lot of it is quite, I found to be quite, um, it's quite a toxic environment sometimes. Right. So a quite um, cliquey environment. Yeah, maybe, it is quite cliquey, yeah. yeah. And I just, yeah, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't handle it at all. My th- my skin is just not thick enough. So off I fucked to so Berlin. You, so you moved to Berlin. Yeah. And then you immediately become a sound artist. Pre- I mean, pretty much. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was over there, like, with Ross, and I needed to earn some money. I had some savings that I'd saved up from working in film, which pays quite nicely. So I was okay. But I was like, I need to put something else in place. I know mm. I'm not going back to film. And I was like, I wonder if anyone wants any cheap voiceovers doing. Like, I've but got wait, this- wait, wait. You don't just, you don't just go... I wonder if people want some voice. I don't think you do now, but back then this was so, like two thousand twelve. But I'm guessing like, with that, then you must have had a sense. Maybe, maybe from your degree days, I suppose. Like you knew that you've you had a voice for it. No, no? really not. Really not. <laughs> I thought. Well, I'd done a couple of things when I was working. Occasionally, when in the film industry, there'd be a call for someone to get in the booth and fill in. in like I, there was one thing that I worked on before as a, um, an assistant music editor. I had to get in the booth and do the radio DJ that was playing on the radio in the taxi that Danny Dyer was in, in this BBC series. Nice. I think it was called Kiss of Death or something. So I'm in the background going, good morning, it's 9am and this is da 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 And all you can hear is this, like, you can hear it in the background of his taxi. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. me. So yeah. I, I'd done a couple of things. And, and also it's one of those jobs, and I know this from the amount of times that people ask me, like, how do you get into this? People think it's a good job to do. Like, it seems quite fun, doesn't it? I must it? admit, I, I've always thought that. I'm one of those people. Yeah. I'd love to do it. It does. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> I'm in Berlin, I've got time on my hands, I know how to record stuff, I know how to edit stuff, but well I didn't really know how to even record stuff at that point, but I did know how to edit stuff because of my job. I've got this generic posh voice. I was like, <laughs> and my friend Paul at the time was like, well, there's this freelancer site called People Per Hour and you just literally throw up yeah. something that you can do. Yeah, yeah, I remember I'm yeah. still on it. I still yeah. work loads through it. It's oh, ridiculous, really? yeah. But Amazing. that was the first thing I did. So I put up and I was like, I, I charged like 30... Someone. So my first ever job was for a roofing company that needed... <laughs> I don't know what the hell they were doing because it was the longest script I've ever done for like a roofing company. It was like explaining meticulously how to roof something. So I don't know where it went, but it was the longest script and I charged them like 30 quid because I had no idea about rates or anything. And then it just took off and it just like people just kept hiring me. And now... I suppose it's one of those jobs that people hear you. They hear your voice and they therefore seek you out? Yeah, I guess it either suits what they're looking for or it doesn't. Or do you have to put like an actor with like a sort of audio reel together or anything like that? I did. Well, this is the thing. I then went on and got an agent and at that point he was like, you need a sound reel. So Mm. I went and you pay and you get someone to do it all for you and you you read basically a load of fake adverts. So I did on my sound yeah. reel. I think I still... I mean, this this is how unprofessional I am. I still haven't <laughs> updated my sound reel because I just haven't had time because I've been working. So I've got a well, really old sound reel. I guess it begs the question there, that, though, that if you're getting work, 
as a freelance, then... Well, I've done so many jobs now that I can be so specific that someone's like, have you ever done an example of this? I'm like, yep, I've got that somewhere. Like, pull it out of the the archives. Well, I mean, I've definitely... um, For sure, I've heard you explaining how to lay a decking for Wix. (laughs) No, I've done Howden's, though. Oh, maybe I have done Howden's, definitely. Maybe it was Howden's. Yeah, but it's like... Yeah, so it just... It just took off. I did get a sound reel done. And then I had this agent and he got me a couple of jobs. And obviously, if you're through an agent, you get much better rates of pay because they, yeah. you know, they, they've got much more prestigious oh, they've, they've clients. Got, they've got the hustle as well, right? Yeah, they know everyone. They've got all the contacts. Yeah. Um, but actually, I found I was getting more work on my own than I was through mm. him. I think I was a shelf filler for him. You know, I wasn't, I didn't have a big profile. I was like some little person that he'd taken on. And um, he just didn't give me very much work. And in the meantime, I'd stopped all the work that was coming in because I was like, oh, I don't want to screw my agent over. And in the end, I was like, do you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to have to go out on my own again because I'm turning down too much work that I can't take because if I sent them to him, he'd charge them too much and it would scare them off. But I can't do it because I don't want to screw him over. My time with an agent, which is the traditional route of getting voiceover work, was very short-lived. And then after that, I've just gone back to... Um, representing representing my, <laughs> myself, not knowing what the hell I'm doing. And, um, yeah, I, I was looking at my... And I, and I actually was like... I felt like I was lying to myself when I saw this the other day, but it's absolutely true. Mm. I think this year will be... I'll be invoicing for my 2,000th job. Wow. So, I mean, and a lot of them are, like, small... And as my yeah. agent described at the time, tin pot jobs. He was yeah. like, you don't want to get a reputation for just doing tin pot little jobs. Mm. But those that, you know, if you get enough little tin pot jobs, yeah, you can earn a living together. doing it. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, in that sense, then, what, what would a week or a month or a year, maybe, I don't know, I don't know, sort of the best way to frame that, but, like, what does the, the life of Rachel Boot look like work-wise, though? Yeah. <laughs> Just stick to the Just, work. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't know the rest. Um, yeah, what, what, yeah what, what might a typical, if there is such a thing, week perhaps be? Yeah, well, it really varies and depending on the time of the year. There's times of the year that are really busy and there's times of the year that are really dead. Yeah. And now that I'm 10 years in, I'm s- slowly getting used to what yeah. they are so I don't freak <laughs> yeah. out every year like, this is it, it's yeah. all over. I've just had that. The, I'm, in, I'm in the midst of, if I'm honest right now, it's November right now, mid-November, and I'm having that realisation like, down. oh, yeah, I'm not going to have any work yeah. for probably six weeks. Yeah. But there's still a massive pang of... Well, terror with yeah. that, but there's a bit more of a kind of like, oh, yeah, you know this. Yeah, you've just got to trust, haven't you? This is freelance life, yeah, we'll ride think, it out. Yeah, I think that is the word, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm currently wobbling, but but the trust is yeah. there. I mean, because not everyone all at once is going to have decided you're shit and unemployable. I think that's what you've got to wow. remember. Like, no. they haven't had a team meeting and like, right, when no one is employing yeah, Jim anymore, that guy. this is it. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. No, it's true, it's true. Um, but, yeah, I guess a normal, be, be, you know, moderately busy or, or sort of, average time what 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 might your week look like well the thing with me and it still is my appeal and i'm not you know i can't dress it up my appeal as a voiceover artist is that i'm fast and i'm cheap so um it will be a case of people emailing me and going can you do this either today or tomorrow and me being like yep and then having to like battle for time with ross as to when i can yeah so I, i i don't know i reckon I reckon on average I probably only work... If I sat down and concentrated and didn't procrastinate and actually just did my fucking work, I reckon I probably only work about eight hours a week, solidly. Mm-hmm. But that is enough to earn me a full-time living. Doing so that. Eight, eight hours, shall we say, in the booth? And no, it, the booth is actually fairly minimal because that's all... That's I'm, I'm a bit of a, uh, a one-take 
wonder and I don't mean that in a sort of like I'm brilliant way I literally mean that I literally mean that in that I'm just like I can just bang them out now so um Mm -hmm. I go in do do I'll I'll do a couple of takes myself and then I'll just the time is spent really editing and that's where that is also I think for me I can only speak for myself but I think that's where the skill is because I can mash I can I can dialogue edit now to such a, a sort of quality mm-hmm. that i can mash words together and you wouldn't know where i'd oh, join them you know like right, and i can yeah. do it really fast now because i've been doing it for so long yeah so um so you're sort of cleaning up and reorganizing the sound through the edit yeah i'm picking the best take i'm so mashing just, words together you can just sort of say it half fast then right? yeah right <laughs> i really do jim a lot of the time <laughs> if it, then i send it off i clean it all up edit it all produce it all mm. wax some compression on it send it off and then they either come back to me with amends or not. And I'd say it more often than not, they're just like, yep, yeah, fine. Yeah. It's like rare that people have an issue with what I've done. Well, this, this bodes well for a man who's, who's never made a podcast before <laughs> <laughs> and has a tendency to, to naturally mash words up. Yeah. Uh, so good, good, excellent. Uh, yeah. So you said they're fast... And cheap. And cheap. I'm still cheap. And this is one of the things that I'm... I don't know if you find this, mm. but rates and what you charge is like the bane of my life. In what I mean, I think so too. But in what sense do you mean? Well, I think for um, I think it plays into the imposter syndrome as yes. well, because there are definitely standardised rates for voiceover work, mm. and it, and it, it helps actually when it's a really obvious broadcast, like a TV broadcast. I can I can work out quite predictably what to charge because mm-hmm. there are quite standardised rates of. But when it's just like some little bloke that's come along he might run his own like video production company Mm. he's not he's going to get scared off if i charge him tons and i also at the same time i'm like oh god i'm not good enough to charge (laughs) you know whatever yeah i mean i think i've discovered through quite a lot of kind of work really not and not that sort of not not work work just figuring me out a bit a a bit yeah (laughs) or a bit more that there might be for me because i share in a similar kind of um mindset there um, which can be really problematic, and it can, from a from a sort of mental time spending yeah. point of view, like can be quite wasteful. Yeah, because it's not like, oh yeah, I'm worth this much. This is how long that will take. Blah blah blah. Yeah, and I don't know whether that's just a little bit of a. Well, it is for me. It's like, well, I know I wouldn't really be able to afford that. Yeah, right. That. Yeah, and that's sort of a a slightly kind of working class, I suppose, background, which is probably where that imposter syndrome maybe kind of comes from i think maybe Maybe. i'm not i don't know totally sure but that sense of like yeah like yeah it's it's knowing your own value i suppose yeah um but and it's also like it's weighing that up against not wanting to absolutely fuck over everyone else that's trying to do the same job as you mm -hmm. because i'm really conscious of that as well and especially now that i've been doing it for so long i can see all these people coming in underneath me who are just starting out and they're doing what I did back in the day of charging like peanuts and I definitely can't afford to do that anymore. Yeah. So there's a real balance between not wanting it to be a race to the bottom, Mm -hmm. not wanting to overcharge people that can't afford it or, you know, that, you know, or just overcharge. Yeah. And um, knowing your own worth and like finding the balance with all those things. Well, then is there also another factor in that, I suppose, as well of like, you know, like not wanting to work for the people that can maybe pay more that maybe don't fit ethically with your yeah, well, values. I've done a few of them. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> should, we, should we talk about them or not? Mm. <laughs> Present tense Jim here, just jumping in. Um, I had to cut this bit out because uh, it turns out Rachel is an evil person. Uh, I nearly fell off my chair when she told me all the people that she's worked for. 
Not really. Um, just, you know, some things can't be shared. So, um, yeah, we're cutting this bit out and uh, we'll move on with the conversation. Bye. The only job I've ever turned down... <laughs> I've turned down a couple of erotic things before because it's just not... I mean, you're not going to get a good job out of me from that. But there was one thing I as mean, well. how do you know if you haven't tried? I know, well, yeah, there might be some decent money in that, to be fair. I just take on a pseudonym and away I go. Yeah. Um... There was a guy who was trying to um, market something, you know, in um, Asian countries where they use like um, hose attachments on their toilets to, he, instead yeah. of toilet paper. Yeah, so he I was think basically it makes perfect sense. I'm yeah, say, yeah, from he was, point of view. Well, he was trying to bring it to the to the UK and market it in the UK, but the really? name he'd chosen for mm. it was the Bum Gun. <laughs> And I really did not feel like having that on my CV. No, that's gonna... a swing and a miss. Yeah. Did, so that did was he the get one. anybody to go and do I that? I don't know. I haven't looked it I up mean, recently, but it might be one I have, have to look we, up. Have either of us or anybody heard of the bum gun? Well, you have now. In that, this, in might, this might be it. This might be the big... Um, so I guess it, 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 was, it, it would be remiss of me to not ask the very... I feel there's a strong responsibility here to ask you this question with regards to being a, a sound artist. Is it a lot like or ever like working with Clem Fandango in Toast. <laughs> Hello, Stephen. It's me, Clem Fandango. Can you hear me? That guy. It, yes. <laughs> the thing is, I don't I don't generally... I do offer them, but I don't generally do live sessions, so it's less of a sort of back and forth. Mm. But I have done a job before and I've sent it off and they've come back and said, um, we want you to just try and sound a bit more aloof and things yeah. like that. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. what do you... Like? How do you... And how do you sort of respond to that because I with the writing work I do which is kind of my bread and butter to some degree I suppose mm. so kind of writing about design often about materials trying to make it more and more about sustainability um, but I do and and trend reports and it's more the trend reports often I'll get them come back or a trade show report not often occasionally I'll get them come back and it is actually an occasional and they'll say uh, what do you mean by this or can you find out more about that and it's like once, once I think once because they're not very well paid, if I'm honest. Yeah. Once they're done, I send them. Yeah. And because I've been doing it for a long time, in my head, it's like, well, they're done now. Yeah. And then, so I, I have to really check myself to not be like, oh, well, you can't really ask me to uh, do, do anything you not else. Do you not charge if you if you have? No, like... this, sadly, with writing, certainly, the, certainly the, from my experience, it's it's whatever rate you're yeah. given is what, is what you're given. I think I'd feel the rage a little bit if I felt yeah. like I'd spent the allocated <laughs> hours. You know, and that mm -mm. money had been in my head spent. Yeah. Then amends like that would annoy me. I charge for amends. Like I, I'm quite ah, meticulous. Yeah. I, I got to a point where, like, I, when I was like still quite green, they'd come back and they'd be like, "Yeah, we're just going to try out a different word here and a different." And they tweak it like a word at a time, mm -hmm. and I, I'd do it, and I wouldn't charge for it because I'd just be like, "Oh, okay." And now I'm like. This is your mistake. This is like you having not like proofread your script or like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. greenlit your script or whatever. So no, I'm... that's true. That is very true, actually. Yeah. But yours yeah. is a bit different, but. So, your general working week as a sound artist, I'm going to keep using the oh, phrase. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah. that, so that you finally identify it. Yeah. Um, it's an, it's a kind of eight hour week. Yeah. Spread over, is... spread over the week. Yeah. It's not all in one go. Yeah. So, it's in the booth, and then the majority of that time then is it's follow up, edit yeah, editing, editing, sending off. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is about, and this is why I'd be very reluctant to call anything I do artistry, because what is required of me now is really li a limited range. Like I do, I do like 
Welcome to welcome to Buddha. <laughs> yeah. Your call is in a queue. I love Buddha. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I do like press one for 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 accounts. <laughs> press yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Like, they they want either like corporate posh or they want a bit more sort of fern cottony. Yeah. You know, like. Question but, with that? Why? I mean, I maybe as with all industries, actually, but maybe from a layman's point of view. This seems like an obvious question to me. Why isn't there just like a database of those things? Well, like, do you know, press one there. Like, like surely, yeah. That should be... I think that I think now. Like, I was listening to something the other day. Someone sent me a thing that, that was a guide voiceover that they'd had done, and it was like an AI one, and it was so mm. sophisticated now that if yeah. they hadn't told me it was AI, I think I'd have had to. If I was only half listening, I wouldn't have known. Well, I was just about to jokingly say, I suppose you know, like uh, within your industry, you don't want to talk yourself out of a job but but ai is yeah here. I, mean, I think it, yeah i think it's gonna do me out of a job one day definitely especially for the sort of level of work that i do well i think me with writing a few yeah. a few things I've, I've read and been told recently makes me think you know writing up a trade show you know what's happened at a trade show ai is coming really that. yeah i think so yeah and and also just yeah yeah and even <laughs> even kind of creative writing i think just to, to some degree might, yeah might be, um... algorithms and working out what people want and yeah. all that yeah i think it is a fairly terrifying prospect that that will happen but i'll just keep going for as long as i can i, guess. <laughs> I don't know yeah. like i feel like i've really discredited this profession now, i because i feel like what i do is so limited there are some incredibly people and tal- talented people out there who take it very seriously and obviously do much more artistic things that yeah are required well, i was gonna say i mean have you have you discredited the in- industry or have you as i would discredit yourself i have discredited <laughs> myself yeah i'm never gonna work again the old imposters crept yeah, in yeah and, it, and also i only know this job from my from my really solitary experience yes because i don't i mean i know a couple of other people that do this for a job but i've never really had an in-depth conversation with them about what their experience is yeah and all and most of the other people that i know that have done it are working actors so they're Mm -hmm. they mainly are acting and they do a bit of voice work on the side right they're looking over there yeah this is yeah so that's i think that's really interesting because i think i can again share in that sort of sensibility of feeling quite yeah, kind of isolated, I suppose, yeah. sometimes in doing lots of different things. What's your main making now? Are you mainly writing or are you... Because yeah. you did a fine art degree, didn't I you? I did do a fine art degree, yeah. So yeah. W- what were you doing when you were doing fine art? What was I doing? <laughs> well, what does anyone do when <laughs> they do I a fine art degree? Now? What, what am I mean, Jim? doing? <laughs> um, well, back then I was I was quite interested in making and, and with it ed- editing kind of film and video. I got quite into film and video oh, okay. stuff. So you're less, I guess you'd say, sort of traditional. Yeah. Also still making. Uh, I've got quite a hands-on approach to, to to work and to life, I suppose. Um, and sort of figuring things out through making is, I think, really important, which is partly why I want to talk to more makers. Um, but that, yeah, I've then indirectly kind of moved into the design world because of when I moved to London getting a job at a material resource studio which was all about stuff you know physical things and texture and color and all about the designed or built environment and things have kind of moved on from there i think in terms of me and my career quote unquote um much like you i think there's a there's an imposter syndrome there but i'll always i i I mean i don't know about you but i hate being asked what do you do it's like Mm. the worst question maybe that's shared by all freelancers but I'll always internally feel like I'm sort of hopping on the spot. What, do you, what do you say to that? 
when someone asks Well, I, yeah, I mean, now I look at it as like, well, across the year I do. Oh, OK. And same with making, to sort of try and answer the making question, I suppose it's like there's peaks and troughs yeah. to, to what I make. Yeah. And I think there is with everything I do. Writing is a fairly constant thread. Mm. So research and re- writing, I should say, really. Um, that is much more steady. Yeah. Sort of every month I'll be doing some of that. But across the year, I mean, over the last 12 months, I've sort of redesigned, partly built, partly decorated, a um, like the interior of a brewery yeah. here in Margate at North Down Brewery. I've taught. I went back to doing some teaching at Westminster on the interior architecture course, yeah. which I used to teach a lot. I um, haven't done it for a while. So that was quite a, an experience, quite strange to go back and do it. Only a little bit of that. Well, and then increasingly found myself doing quite a lot of interior decoration, really, quite a yeah. lot of paintwork, which I've always done over the years, and it's actually a type of making, I think I can kind of call it that, that... I think it is. I really, yeah, and I you're really... Making dis- you're making creative decisions. Yeah, and there's an application. It's the hands-on approach to things that I think I know I need within my working life. What I want to ask you, though, because you made a comment earlier, and it's obviously something that is at the root of all of this, mm. about career progression. Yeah. And, like, I think a lot of us suffer from that sort of, like, status anxiety mm. of, like, feeling like you're progressing up a ladder somehow. Does the fact that you do different types of work and it's, like, varied and different and mm. sometimes busy and sometimes quiet... Mm. How much does that gnaw away at your... Well, I mean, again, it's peaks and troughs, isn't it? It kind of it ebbs and flows, uh, literally, in terms of the amount of work I've got on. Do you feel the need to be progressing somewhere, though? Like, have you got a vision as to where it's all going? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually more recently trying to. That's some of the sort of work I've been trying to do in the background is to just have a bit more of a... To be a bit more of an adult about my life in general. <laughs> I've got an accountant now, for instance. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving up in that world. But, yeah, to sort of take a little bit more kind of control, the last three, four years probably for me have freewheeled a bit in some ways, mm. particularly around work, and some of that I sorted quite a lot of thinking out around, I guess, kind of ego in a way and, and that status thing that you sort of talked about. But it's it's still there. Yeah. And the self-doubt still kind of plagues me at times. So what do you do to remedy that? Because you're quite act- you're way more active in a sort of branding sense on mm. social media than I could ever. I mean, I don't have oh, really? any. I don't have any professional presence on social media at mm. all. I've got a website, but I just can't. I guess do it begs it. the question, and it's an interesting question, I suppose, as to how would an audio artist um, do that well, you, in a, in you a way? Say that. I think there are a couple of people that I know that do this job, and they do. They hustle. They hustle mm. way more than me, Mm-mm. and they do have a social media presence. And I just look at what they do, which is quite often sort of. Sometimes it's photos in the studio. Sometimes they do little skits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think I just could never do that. Like, so it's I funny because I would, that. I would actually, you know, knowing you, I think you probably could. But it's interesting. That well, you... do you know, I'm so conscious of what my friends think of me, though, more than anything. Right, like, right, ra- right. rather than a sort of anonymous public, I've spoken to a couple of friends about this, and I've said, "Do you think I should be doing that? Do you think?" I... And they're like, "No," because that would be so cringe. Hundred <laughs> well, percent not. There's so your then first I can't. mistake. Well, there's yeah. your first mistake. I think. Yeah, for me, as I sort of alluded to there, like uh, having some big life things made me think, right, you know, like lose lose the ego as much as possible. And that's a very simplified way of putting it. But yeah. uh, I think I only really use Instagram. I use my website and I use Instagram as a means to sh- sort of share 
hopefully a bit of me, a bit of my life, use it a bit of a, as a sort of photo album because we don't have them anymore. Yeah. But from a work, marketing, promotion point of view, I guess I am quite consciously aware that I am using it for that. So two questions. One, do you enjoy it? And two, has it been, have you got any work off the back of it? That's what I'm always interested in knowing. Does, like, does it actually pay dividends? It, well, it's an interesting one. I think, I think as a slow, accumulative effect, yes. I think really? there is, but it's... It's very um, intangible. It's very. It's hard to quantify. Definitely, yeah. but I okay. do. I, I do get that vibe, and sometimes you pick up on. Yeah, like where a job offer might have come from. Right. Well, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes people outrightly say, "Oh, okay." I've seen you, and it's not, you know. And I'm not doing it for likes. We're all doing it for likes to some degree, but I'm genuinely not doing it for that. I am doing it as a. But like the other thing I was going to say, actually, I suppose is the things that I put on there are. Like I've written an article and put yeah. it out there, but the article's yeah. always about someone else. Yeah. Are, and I try and make it about things that I sort of believe in or are interested in or think other people don't yeah. know that might be useful or whatever. So like I've always got that. Yeah. And it's generally always about sort of design, maybe art. Generally, it comes with some nice sort of sexy imagery. Yeah, so it's always a nice thing and to show and people. And you can, and it's outward looking. Like I've, I've done a couple. Of, like even on my personal Instagram, I've posted a couple of things in the past about my work. But it's literally only been because I'm so bored of people asking me. Like they go, "Are you still, are you still doing the voiceovers?" Like, yeah. it, like it's a hobby. Like I kind of want to do it just because I like the sound of my own yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. So I've gone like, here's an advert that I've done just so you can stop asking me if I'm still doing yeah. this because yes, this is my job and yeah. I know it's preposterous, but yes. But it but that is like all about me and it's and that's so like that's so anti like what I feel about myself of just being like what will I do that, like it's so uncomfortable that quite often I've just yeah. like left them up for like 12 hours and then deleted them because I can't bear really? to yeah. see them there anymore um I think yeah I think I've developed a, a, a thicker skin is it that I don't know or a better better mindset with it where I, I try not to give too much of a shit but you're benefiting other people as well I think by yeah, doing well, it because you're, that, com- you're that, like that totally uh, yeah. if I didn't have that I wouldn't post as yeah. much and, and again peaks and troughs like if I look as I have done recently like across the year because of things going on in life or you know shifts of mindset whatever not being as conscious of it there's definitely points where it's like oh, I, didn't, I didn't put anything up for a little while there. Yeah. and I'm almost catching up on stuff now but I've just posted something about an article I wrote about kind of designers trying to find alternative material solutions to kind of help us towards net carbon net zero. And yeah. that's had such a positive oh, good. response. But I wrote that back in April. It's right. November now. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so I am trying to get better at, at, at that. And because I do... I do think there's value in valuing yourself, for sure, but being able to sort of share your work and others and knowing that generally, particularly on Instagram, I think it's a fairly it's it's a fairly open space it's a kind enough space do you think it is i think on instagram yeah generally i think people seem to be generally quite nice and and if not i've just got i kind of just keeping a blind faith yeah and and with it and with it not giving too much of a fuck yeah i genuinely don't look at likes anymore yeah. Comments are great, but likes is like who 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 cares? You know, somebody might be just sitting on the toilet and flicking through as yeah. we all do, and it's oh yeah, like you know that doesn't it doesn't that's not very substantial. But I guess there is an accumulative effect or feeling with it that I that I get that keeps me putting that stuff out there. And and with it, if I'm honest, you know, because I am freelance and I and I I do you know like I was saying at the top, like I do often have worries of like shit, have I got enough work and mm. have I got enough money and in these turbulent times that we live in you know there's i I have no shame in 
hoping for and maybe thinking that if I put this out right, if I deliver this in a nice way, somewhere along the line that might stick in somebody's head and yeah. they might go, ah, yeah, he could do that He's thing. the man for the or job. Or we could ask him to do that thing. I've had a few things recently where that's kind of come up. They, they might not actually come off, but... Yeah. So I think there's I think there's some merit in that. Yeah. Yeah. And with it, I think I quite like... Um, I quite like communicating and sharing yeah. ideas and thoughts. Yeah. You know, back to when I was even studying sort of fine art. Well, back of, to why you want to do this. Yeah, well, it's idea. About. It's sort of ideas and it's conversations and it's and it's this as well. It's talking. It's talking in a in a in an open and honest way as well around all of that process. And also, it's you know, it's it's about celebrating making in all its kind of guises because. It helps, it can help, it does help an awful lot of people, but in so many different ways and yeah. so many different sectors and not necessarily even just from a financial work point of view. Yeah. Um, so it's hopefully that, that I, yeah, these kind of conversations. Well, yeah. <laughs> You're going from <laughs> someone who's just doing it simply to earn a living and not do anything <laughs> creative to uh, hopefully speaking to some people who feel the need to create because it's their sort of life's purpose, you know? Present tense, Jim, here again. And a massive thanks to Rachel for the chat and for being the in the making guinea pig, as well as editing all of this, which blurs the temporal flow a little there. But I certainly found hearing about her career trajectory and, and the industry that she works in really interesting, and I hope you did too. I also really enjoyed sharing our experiences and comparing notes regarding the always unwelcome and totally unnecessary visit of imposter syndrome. The equivalent of your least favourite family member turning up unannounced as you finish cooking a delicious Sunday roast. No one wants to share potatoes with that guy. But then, much like my day-to-day in a world, I have a feeling that such discussions may pop up again in the series. And if this one is anything to go by, it will hopefully be a cathartic experience to do so. Rachel and I have um, listened back and chatted uh, since and actually discussed the idea of the podcast having an anti-social media kind of feel or rather it acting as a sort of antidote to the polished and often performed world of, say, Instagram, which we talked about. Whatever it becomes, I hope it can offer an opportunity to open out that sometimes solitary experience of making that we discussed, but we'll see. So here we are in the making feels good hopefully sounds good maybe you'll be back for more 